Welcome to Kinetic, a healthcare app bonus series about careers and leadership in healthcare marketing and related fields, including digital strategy and consumerism. The modern world of work is constantly moving, so in this series, we bring you musings on careers and leadership from well-known friends. Our goal is to highlight the journeys that some of our friends have taken to reach their work goals and some of the insights that they've learned along the way. I'm Jared Johnson, founder of the Shift Forward Health Production and Marketing Group. Over the course of this bonus series, we will be sharing exclusive interviews with an all-star lineup of experienced leaders. Today, my guest is Ed Marks, CEO of Marks Advisory. Let's get moving. Ed, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Jared. I'm really excited to talk with you. You know, you're one of my mentors in marketing and healthcare. And so I'm just jazzed about the opportunity to talk with you. This is really just an excuse for us to catch up. So (laughs) (laughs) as we're going to take a candid look back at your career and lessons about leadership and healthcare and health IT, you just announced a new adventure here. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And then I'd love to hear like how you knew it was time to make that move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It really happened about five years ago. So I had left the Cleveland Clinic. And I started this sort of Mark's advisory. And my plan was really to help vendors connect with the broader healthcare community in a better, more effective way, you know, because I'd seen a lot on the other side, how it doesn't work. And I thought, you know what, I could probably help a few of these vendors become true partners with select healthcare systems. So I launched about four or five years ago. And my first client, Tech Mahendra, actually after two months, hired me straight out. So they were like, Ed, we love what you're doing. We really want you to work for us full time. And they gave me this global position, you know, and, and great opportunity. So I, I de-risked my career a little bit and went back to the security of a big company. And so it was a great ride. I learned so much at Tech Mahendra. And then I had this opportunity to be a CEO of a consulting firm, which was very enjoyable and, and a great experience. But at the end of a year, I just had this itch to really do my own thing. And the founders of the firm where I was CEO, they were ready to go back and lead it themselves. So they became my first client. So I was like, hey, why don't we just kind of flip the script here? I'm going to go back and continue what I started four or five years ago, and you can be a client. So we kind of get the best of both worlds. And that's what happened. So Mark's advisory launched. I should pick an official date. Like I said, four or five years in the making, but let's just say it was May 1st. And so we've been around here over a month and so far so good, but it, it's still pretty early. As people are out there thinking about not only is the grass greener, but like, is there a different offshoot of this path in my career that is different than what I'm doing now? Maybe it is going out and launching their own thing, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just making a, a, a move laterally or move to a different type of organization. And they're unsure about that. How did the timing feel right? I, I know this this is kind of like a two-parter because there was a timing the first time when this was the right time for you to make this move. And then here it comes again. As I mentioned, four or five years ago, I really wanted to do it. It's high risk. And, you know, there's comfort in status quo. But I was willing to take that risk. And then sure enough, though, you know, as the first person came along, you know, at my first client, as I mentioned, you know, I went back to the security. And it's hard because there is comfort. But at the same time, when you get comfortable, I think you become less effective and less sharp. And so I really wanted that next challenge. So it's like, I need to do this. So that was one thing that was going on, Jared. The second thing is I taught my kids. I raised my kids. I have five kids raised them to be fiercely independent and to do their own thing. And and so four out of five of my kids, they are self-made people. They went out there, they took risks, made stuff happen in their career. You know, one is in music, one is in finance, one is in movies, just a, a wide variety. And 
they're always like, dad, when are you doing this? You know, you keep telling us you should be independent and look at our lifestyle and look what we've accomplished. And you're still doing the same thing you told us not to do. So that was the secondary thing that was going on that said, you know what? Safety third. I need to be, take more risk. And so really that's just how it happened, Jared. So here I am. And like I said, so far so good one month in. Were there some key elements in the decision process where like, hey, if I hit these things uh, without sharing, you know, any figures or anything, but like, were there key elements of that? They say, hey, if if these things are there, then maybe the timing is going to work. Yeah. You know, I think if you take that sort of mindset, which is not a bad one, right? It's good to have objective targets. And then you're like, okay, once I hit that, I'll flip the the switch and, and jump. And I'm all about that. For me, though, I think it was about just trying new things and challenging myself. So I would get recruited a lot to be a CIO. And I loved being a CIO. And I have such fond memories of all the organizations I served. But I almost got to the point I have PTSD, you know, and not to make light of PTSD, you know, from a combat situation or, or others. But legitimately, you know, the thought of jumping back in and taking the 24-7 calls, you know, your your cybersecurity, you know, officers just called and, and something's gone wrong and all the patient data has been exposed or, you know, different things that would happen or the network is down and, you know, it's causing potentially patient harm. And, you know, the things that we do as CIOs in healthcare that differentiate ourselves is that there's life and death that, that are at risk. And so I had done the role for a long, long time and I was just ready for a change. And, and I just didn't want that sort of lifestyle anymore. So for me, it, it kind of came down to sort of this lifestyle and becoming more independent. And there was some other things, Jared, that I wanted to do to express myself that, again, not in a negative way at all, but health systems didn't always seem to super appreciate. And that is things like maybe you wanted to write a book. And so there was maybe not that much support for someone writing a book, or let's just say there was something on your heart to speak about. And if it didn't fit with the particular culture or direction of the employer, you know, there, there's some conflict there. So I always had to, you know, throughout my career, not the major confession time here, Jared, uh, but, you know, I always had to walk that fine line because I was very expressive. I am very creative. And so while to me, it's normal, oh, you should write a book. Absolutely. It's great for the brand of that health system. It's great uh, to for healthcare in general, depending on the topic, you know, that you're helping to save more lives with this or inspiring others, those sort of things. But for some that are more traditional, that that was kind of hard to let someone do that. And so I don't have that conflict anymore. So those were a couple of triggers, you know, other than sort of like some financial triggers that would allow you the freedom to take that risk. Those were some, you know, lifestyle and the ability to express myself freely, I think were sort of the liberating factors that led me down this path. Okay, I'm kind of in love with that term, liberating factors, because... That's what they are. The enablers are kind of the those mileposts of like, yep, okay, it's that path. Let's let's give this a shot. I, I recall when I first went out on my own, there's no safety net anymore. And I, I had a certain number of clients and like, hey, once I hit this number, then I can I can give my notice. I got that number and I gave my notice. And then within that first week, half of those clients uh, backed out or just had to pause or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm still going forward. Right, so right. it's just a series of things like that. And it is exhilarating on its own. And, and I, I love the thought of uh, liberating factors. Love that. Well, when you look back, what advice do you share the most often with colleagues when they're <laughs> having questions about careers or leadership in this right. industry? Yes. What advice comes up the most? Yeah. You know, it's not original. 
It's Zig Ziglar. And this really impacted me when I was young in my career. And I've really, if I had to boil it down to one, you know, because when I first thought about that question, I had five or six things jumped to my mind. But if one sort of encapsulates many of those, it's this concept of attitude, not aptitude, determines altitude. You know, I'm just this average guy and I have average intelligence and I have average grades. I mean, everything, Jared, about me is like, I'm the average. And I realize that I'm not going to be able to outsmart other people because I'm average and they're above average. But what I can excel at is my attitude. So if someone has a bad attitude and they're super smart, awesome, because I will pass them up. I use the same in sports. You know, I'm a fairly... I'm a fairly uh, athletic person. You know, I have athletic pursuits is what I should say. And I'm an average athlete, but I have above average results because my attitude. So I don't skip a workout. I, I don't make excuses. I have a good attitude when it comes to workouts. And I know that there's people faster than me and less body fat than me, and they're not giving the same effort. So when it comes time to race day, I'm actually outperforming them. So I'm my fat little self, you know, outrunning some of these skinny guys. So it's the same in the workplace. And I found that early on. It's like a really practical example is I had a good attitude about volunteering. So they'd ask, who wants to volunteer to lead the United Way, you know, for IT? And here's me, you know, the young director. I'll do it. And whereas the other smarter people, they, they weren't raising their hands. But who got the visibility as a result, right? And then I learned. I developed relationships, learned more about the organization. That's just one simple example. Another one would be, you know, I remember the CIO calling out and said, you know, who's got some ideas around customer service? We need to improve our customer service scores. And there was silence right around the directors. I said, I'll do it. And so I learned how to present. I remember that was one of my first major presentations. So I learned the art of presentation. And so it all comes down to attitude. But since I mentioned presentation, let me double down on one other thing that's really important. Go get trained on how to speak and communicate. So again, I'm average and there's above average people a lot smarter, but they wouldn't go out and get that training. I did. I went to Dale Carnegie. I learned, I took the three day, four day course. I learned how to speak and present. And I'm telling you they're smarter, but I could out present them or they wouldn't even present. So who gets the visibility and who gets the experience that just helped make me more attractive to other organizations or other leadership opportunities. So those are two things just off the top of my head, I think that are really important, Jared. I wonder if sometimes, I don't know if maybe I'm the only one who feels this way, but sometimes you see all who's getting laid off and it just fits this story or this narrative of the economy's in an uncertain place. So is that going to limit your options? Is that going to limit where you can go? And in my case, you know, what clients are going to spend and what they're going to be willing to do as a client of mine that might be the same way people feel about new career choices or, or job opportunities. And yet that's only part of the story. So I know when I can look back and say there have been periods where it feels like the economy is in this uncertain place and how is that going to affect me or some move I want to make? It just means there, there's patterns, like history keeps repeating itself. So some of those things change and some of them keep coming back and we can kind of look at history that way. Are there any patterns when that you've just seen in the industry, things that keep coming up over the years and you're like, okay, I've seen this before. I know how to deal with that. I've been able to deal with that. Yeah, I think you have to future-proof yourself because things will come up. Like you mentioned, just if you just take technology, right? The dramatic changes we see every few years, you know, whether it's cloud computing, you know, e-commerce before that, virtual care more recently, you know, under the digital transformation, of course, AI, generative AI, 
you know, there, there's always stuff coming up. And so that's going to always continue. So I think the winners, again, aren't the smartest people, but they're people who can look into the future, see the future. And one way of doing that, I think, in, when we're in healthcare is to look outside of healthcare. So you could see them, you could see a lot of progress being made with generative AI a long time before we were talking about it in healthcare. And same with a lot of the other technologies. And so if you see that, if you look in other industries, what's going on, experience, patient experience, consumer experience, those sort of things. And then you can prepare yourself. So when that wave comes, you can ride on top of the wave. You know, I'm not a big surfer or anything, but you know, you see these waves coming, you can get crushed by the waves and get laid off and stuff like that. Or you could see that wave coming because you study your student out there looking what's happening in other industries. And so when that wave comes, you can write it. And it's, I think it's the same with the other indicators from the economy that you were talking about, Jared, is don't be a victim. Try to be as proactive as you can. Uh, you know, it's like getting new skills. Like, okay, I should probably know about AI. I mean, I'm suddenly now, I'm, I've learned a lot about AI in the last year. And in years before that, we were using AI when I was at the clinic. So I was prepared for what was happening or virtual care is another great example, you know, where, uh, again, I'm hearkening back a few years, but because it's pre-pandemic, you know, I had prepared the organization to be at 50% of all of our outpatient visits at virtual 25% of inpatient days taken care of at home. That was pre-pandemic. So when the pandemic came, we were ready. So it's about that future proof. And again, you don't have to be a super smart person to know this. It's just an average person like myself can know this and just look ahead, just prepare yourself. And I think you'll weather the storm a lot better than those even who are smarter, but don't prepare themselves. All right. Give me so much to think about here. And it's easy to, to come back to these, you know, future proof your career and don't be a victim. These are absolutely keys to setting yourself up for the, the best result possible. Yes. Or if there's any final words you want to share with us that we haven't covered yet, anything else for either younger professionals or just just anyone in general about careers and leadership? I, th I think what really helps in addition to all the things that we spoke about is to be very missional in what you do and understand what your purpose is. You know, why were you created and what are you supposed to do? And when you can find alignment, and I know you have between understanding your life purpose and your mission and your work and how those come together, that gives you all the passion you need. That gives you all the energy you need. That gives you all the encouragement you need to survive these storms, to make sure that you're being the best that you can, doing the best, serving others. And so it's that alignment. For me, I caught that many, many years ago. You know, when I was a janitor in healthcare, 16 years old, I, I knew healthcare. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I kept pursuing it, trying different things. And finally, that fateful day when I all came together and I realized the power of the clinical and the technical and the business to come together and save lives. And so I've been on that mission since then, Jared, whatever I do. At the end of the day, it's got to end up being about saving people's lives. So whether I'm CIO of the Cleveland Clinic, serving at Tech Mahendra as a chief digital officer, or now, you know, helping other organizations, at the end of the day, it's all about saving lives. So you get that congruence in your life and that just fuels everything. So that would be my last statement. And thank you so much for having me. It's always such a joy to connect with you. Stay tuned for our next bonus episode featuring Alan Shoebridge and his invitation for more early career professionals to share their voices. Thank you.